Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, August 2nd edition of the Rebel Report podcast. And fall camp is here. Uh, football is here. So Ole Miss had its media days yesterday. Uh, we'll get into some of that. And then it is also Mailbag Friday, which is the people's holiday. So we will answer your questions. Um, I haven't come through these as much as I should have last night, but I don't know how many football-related ones we got. But we'll try to mix in some football with whatever dumb shit that everyone else asks every week. So, what's up, man? Not much, not much. It's been a it's been a week. At least football uh, has gotten, I guess, technically started. Yeah, it has. So, Ole Miss had its media day yesterday um, and then begins practice here. We're recording this at like 9.15 on Friday morning. Um, here in the next hour and a half. Starts at 10.45, so I'll make my way out there and as soon as we're done recording this but yeah it's it's back and it is here so you know you got a month of fall camp and then the opening kickoff is now i guess 29 days away 30 days away something something to that effect so it is uh there will be a football game played that counts uh this month 22 days yes that is uh that is very true so the week zero is in 22 days um which is interesting so, um, I guess we'll start with just the media days. Um, it was fine. I mean, there wasn't anything too earth-shattering. Alex Givens will probably be limited, if not out, for most of fall camp. Uh, Darius Thomas has a heart condition and will not participate in fall camp. They'll reevaluate him in September. Uh, the hope is, at least is what Matt Luke said yesterday, the hope is that he will be able to play at some point this year uh, a big interior offensive lineman i think he's six six like 330 uh jonesboro arkansas kid freshman but that was discovered i reckon at some point this summer because i do not believe thomas was went through spring practice and so that was kind of it on the injury front um Mont- montrell custis um will be limited coming back from an acl injury jalen jones is full go other than that, it's pretty much everybody on the injury front is full go. But a couple more blows to the offensive line, um, as we kind of discussed on Wednesday's show. So, um, so I mean, they're already kind of thin there. And just not having bodies in general is a problem for them because, you know, Thomas is one of those seven newcomers. Whether he was going to contribute or not, I'm not sure, but it's another option they don't have. Yeah, no, I mean, it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, you just need live bodies at this point, and frankly, Ole Miss is kind of running low on those with Givens and Thomas, and you're playing a bunch of new guys already. It's uh, it's kind of getting the dire straits at that position, really. Yeah, and if Givens is back by the first game, it's really no harm, no foul in, in a lot of ways, but I, I, Matt Luke seemed comfortable with his ability to kind of help some of the younger guys from the sideline and things like that. Obviously, you'd prefer to have him out there, but goal number one, for, for, first and foremost, is for him to not miss a game, which it sounds like he'll be okay, but that's something to monitor throughout fall camp. Um, Really, besides that, I, I, I talked to a bunch of different guys. I talked to Jalen Jones about his recovery from his ACL injury and, and, and some of the stuff he did. It was interesting. He was saying that he once that happened, he kind of 
went around and picked the brain of every everyone on the team, walk-ons included, that had ever had a knee injury as to what to expect. Uh, Ken Webster, certainly one of them. Devon Pinneman is another one. Pinneman's another guy I talked to yesterday for a bit about kind of where he is in his recovery, and he's ready to get back out there, obviously, as he feels fully healthy. I don't really know where he mixes into the running back, or he fits into the running back mix, because you do have Ely, you do have a 1,000-yard rusher, essentially, and Scotty Phillips, along with Isaiah Willard, who got carries last year, and Snoop Connor as well. So I'm not really sure where Pinneman fits in that, but those are two guys coming back from pretty significant knee injuries. Um, Jones says he feels fine. He's not been limited at all, um, or will not be limited at all throughout fall camp. So that'll be good to have for for Ole Miss to get him back um, out at corner, and then I don't know where or if Pinneman fits at all, but I imagine everything else for him is just gravy at this point because he took a helmet to the knee in 2017 against A and M, tore everything, and has just kind of had to basically power through it from there. I mean, it's been over a year long rehab, so um, it'll be interesting to see where and like where he is physically over the next couple weeks. Yeah, no, I mean it's. You know, you hope for the kid's sake that he's able to come back. But that was a gruesome injury. Um, so you're going to have a, you know, he's going to get carries, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, maybe against C-Law, and they'll get to see how he responds. And, you know, maybe if he's ready to go, he'll get more important carries, you know, in the SEC game. So, yeah, I mean, he, look, he was an SEC running back before he took that that gruesome, gruesome hit. I mean, he, he was playing pretty well. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and how they acclimate him to the offense. I guess that's kind of the most interesting thing is how they get him the carries that he needs. Yeah, and so was Eric Sweeney, allegedly. And I don't say that being like a smartass. Like, Sweeney was was, was a kid that Freeze was pretty high on, but you never really got to see it because he had two pretty gruesome leg injuries. And so he never got to see it. At least with Penniman, you saw it in flashes. But my point in saying that is really just you don't really know when he comes back because obviously Sweeney was just not the same player when he came back. And that wasn't his fault. And kind of on a – I guess if you want to compare it somewhere on the other side of the football, like Tony Connor with the meniscus was never the same. You just don't really know with guys. You know, if it's just an ACL, guys really – like seems the recovery time is really just skyrocketing rocketed in terms of guys coming back and looking like themselves when you get beyond that it gets kind of dicey so I don't really think they have many expectations for him I thought it was telling and this may just be me reading too much into it but Matt Luke was asked a couple questions about the running back room including once when it was just me him and Borky on the radio show and he was talking about how much depth he had there and he went through and named three or four guys and Devon Penniman was not one of them that came out of his mouth and that could very well be an oversight I'm not trying to make something out of nothing but I think that might be telling in terms of they don't really have any expectations for him right now they probably just kind of want to see where he's at kind of like pretty much everyone else no yeah I mean I think that's certainly fair it's uh I don't know. It, it, do you kind of feel like this is in, normal from an injury front going into the year? Or is Ole Miss kind of decimated? What do you kind of think from, from that standpoint? It kind of feels like to me that they're more decimated starting camp than they usually are. Well, they don't really have anyone out, though. It's all guys lingering from last year. I mean, other than Givens right. and Thomas. So, no, I would say they're pretty healthy. I mean, it would be one thing if you had six, seven guys not being able to, to participate in the start of fall camp. But all these guys were, were talking about, with the exception of Custis, who is limited – and Alex Givens, who obviously is probably not going to be out there today or anytime soon, um, they're pretty much got the full slate. So, no, I'd say they're pretty healthy. And, like, this is normal. I, I mean, every program in the country, I would imagine, deals lingering injuries from a year ago. So I, I think they're probably – I would say it's 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 pretty run-in-the-mill. I got you. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting because, I mean, 
I think this year is going to be the year that, that maybe the defense is able to help them out a little bit more than they have in maybe 17 or 18. But the offense is going to have to hold its weight. So I'm interested to see just kind of how that, you know, correlates with each other because I don't think the defense is going to be as bad. But, uh, you know, the offense is going to have to be able to block and protect Matt Corral. So I'm just interested to see how those, you know, intertwine those units together. Um, yeah, no, I would agree with that. And another, I guess, random tidbit I got. So I was interested in learning more. One of the things I was interested in yesterday and going in there was learning more about the edge position and those bigger outside linebackers. And I've talked about this three or four times on this podcast going in, but I think that's one of the biggest changes. It may be the single biggest change in this 3-4 scheme is Mike McIntyre moving some of these defensive ends or moving some of the bigger inside linebackers to the outside to have a larger set of outside linebackers that kind of act like a defensive end, but not really. Like, they have some pass rush responsibilities. They're kind of like, if if they're sending a blitz, that's more than likely where it's coming from, but they also have pass coverage responsibility. So I went in there just kind of wanting to learn more about that and what was the biggest difference. And of course, talking to Mike McIntyre, he was—I mean, it was fairly obvious. I asked him what, what's kind of the biggest hang-up guys have when you try to get make them through that transition. And he said it's definitely the pass coverage responsibilities and being able to read the quarterback's eyes and kind of be not competence not the right word but be up to snuff I guess on defensive coverages I mean they don't have to obviously see the same things a corner or a safety or something or do the same things as that but Jim just dropping back in the pass coverage is obviously something most of them aren't used to but I say all of that to say I was also talking to Sam Williams about that and I asked him if he had good enough hands like if he was going to have a like if he got if a pick six opportunity came his way we'd be able to do it and he said yes not only yes but also he was a red zone target as a wide receiver in junior college and that is a big dude I would like to see that I'm not saying it's going to happen there's been no inclination he'll play offense on miss but that would be wild to see <laughs> uh two-way player almost got a few of those yeah, he has, and he's a big dude. He's at six three, two fifty eight, but like big arms, big shoulders. I mean, I'm 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 kind of telling the obvious here, but he's a big dude who they expect to obviously contribute and make a pretty big impact immediately. But aside from that, it was interesting just kind of learning about the biggest adjustments they had to make. And William said it was similar to what he did at the JUCO level. It's just kind of more pass coverage responsibility. So I don't know. Just seeing those guys at that size, you know, the guys in that frame are you're somewhere in the six two to six four. 215 to 240 range, maybe a couple guys a little bit over that. Just seeing guys that big being able to move in pass coverage is going to be interesting. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the defense is going to be something to watch because I just think, you know, Mac's going to have, as funny as it sounds, they're going to line up right. So if they line up right, they're going to be better off. Um, and I think they're a little bit more talented than they were last year. Uh, you know, folks can disagree with me on that. So I'm just Probably at the top, just not deep. Yeah, 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 but they weren't deep last year either. No, but they weren't um, good at the top either. That's what I'm saying. I think this year's a little bit better uh, talent-wise. It's uh, it'll be fun to watch, though. I guess because I mean, look, you've seen some so porous defense lately that uh, I guess anything would be an improvement. Yeah, and maybe that helps them a little bit, like in, in terms of building confidence. Um, just because. Like, I mean, it, the bar has been set so low. Now, granted, if they're going to win football games and compete and kind of try to get to bowl eligibility, they're obviously going to have to be much better. And, like, just marginally better is probably not going to cut it. But, like, maybe just merely from a confidence standpoint, 
that helps them because if you know if you if you go into Memphis and you give up twenty something points and kind of hold them under four hundred and fifty yards, I know I'm not really shooting for the stars there in terms of setting a goal for them, but just slowly but surely build up confidence. And a lot of it, like it was, and Mike McIntyre was talking to some guys about this yesterday, is just being in the right place, which was, I know it sounds obvious, but that is something they were not in. I mean, that's something <laughs> they didn't do very well last year. Right. And you give up a lot of, I hate to use a Wesley McGriff term because it kind of gives me a headache at this point hearing it, but leaky yardage is when guys are kind of out of the backfield completely uncovered. If you can just get them in the right spot, they'll be better off from the start. And I think Mike McIntyre will be able to do that because his reputation kind of, I guess backs that up in the sense that he has a reputation of doing a lot with some marginal talent. So we'll kind of—I'll be interested to see um, uh, what how improved they are by the time they play the first game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. You want to dive into some questions? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I had anything else. I've got a notepad out here. I'm trying to think if I had really any other main takeaways other than I mean this really isn't news either but talking to Rich Rod he never really had a quarterback room um, <laughs> never had a quarterback room with all freshmen I say all freshmen a couple of the walk-ons are not freshmen but four true freshmen or four freshmen a couple red shirt um, at quarterback but you know he's talking about how he can't really coach them like kids and really is as is, is far like it's kind of weird you now have an older defense and a younger offense but the defense has been seen as the weak link in the last couple of years, and now it's not necessarily the offense is seen that way, but it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Is the what has seemed to be your weak link is now kind of the older part of the team, while what was has been the strength is now the younger part. Yeah, no, it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, the yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at is it's kind of the rever- the roles have kind of flipped somewhat. So, uh, and and that's that's good. I mean, the defense should be ahead of the offense early in the season. That's just how football should work. So it's good to me that you probably have that experience on the defensive side of the football when your offense, you know, is going to take some time to get installed. Because I feel like there's more of an installation process with a new offense versus a new defense. Yeah, and defense is probably more instinctual than offense kind of knowing the the sure. ins and outs of each play and each scheme and stuff. And it'll, I don't know how much they'll have in or where Rich Rod will be in terms of where he wants to be in terms of play installation and scheme installation by the time they get to the first game. Obviously, as we've talked about, Ole Miss doesn't really have the luxury of kind of learning through trial and error where you play, you know, like they don't get C-Law first where you can play an F game and, you know, come out and win and, you know, no matter what. Like they're going to have to do it and do it immediately against a team, at least on paper, that is supposed to beat them. Yeah, um, so it, yeah. I mean, Memphis is a six-point favorite for a reason. So I do try to think now that I look at some numbers and whatnot that line might be a little inflated. But I mean, Vegas doesn't set lines on, on accident either in saying that. So I, it, I, that first game is it, fascinating. And Matt Luke really didn't shy away from it. I mean, he kind of made you know notified the importance of that first game and what it's going to you know signify for their season. Yeah, so I was talking to I was talking to Rich Rod about the two. Another note I had is I was talking to Rich Rod about the two sport thing. I didn't know Pat White played two sports in college. He was a fourth yeah. round baseball pick. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I did not know that. He had a couple others over the years. I was just asking him. I was wondering because Plumlee's playing backup quarterback, and I was just asking. Him, I was like, "Do you think two sport kids, particularly as a position where you have to be a cerebral as quarterback, do you think those kids pick up on stuff quicker because they're thrown so much different stuff as like you know playing two different sports and not really having any downtime and there's they're doing basically double of what your normal college athlete does?" And Rich, I was like, "I don't know, but maybe." 
So he never really thought about it like that, but he thought it, thought it was a decent question. So I don't know. There you go. Speaking there you go. of you questions. You're Rich Rod are friends now. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, I did talk to him Wednesday night. Um, so he coached Pat McAfee. <laughs> yeah, I knew he went to West Virginia. Yeah, so Pat McAfee's now on ESPN's Thursday night football crew. Did Correct. you know that? Yeah, he'll do uh, the egg ball. Yeah, he is. So I thought that was interesting. So they'll get to see each other again. Uh, that definitely brought a laugh out of Rich Rod because I think Pat McAfee was the exact same way in college as he is now. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so <laughs> he, uh, he, he found that to be pretty funny. Anyway, uh, so it's Mailbag Friday, so we'll dig right into it. We will get to your questions. Um. You did pretty well. It took some prompting. I had to put a second tweet out there, um, which is too, too many, um, <laughs> to get people to go in. But we got some questions. We got some different, uh, Let's, uh, different can, things to get to. Can I request one that we start with? Uh, yeah, that's fine. All right. Uh, John Macon Gillespie asked, if grades or finances weren't an issue, what college would you have attended? Yeah, that's the first one. So that's the one I had because we usually go okay. bottom up. So um, mine is probably UCLA or Stanford. Stanford, okay. I would have gone Harvard just because the degree from there gets you anything. That's fine. I'm going to go to UCLA and live in Los Angeles or live <laughs> on the Bay Area, and that degree holds its teeth pretty decent as well. Oh, it does, yeah. yeah. Harvard's just always kind of fascinated me for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you get on the rowing team or some shit there, you can get in. <laughs> you know, they say it's not as like prestigious as you know it's portrayed. But I'm sure, I mean, it's obviously extremely prestigious, much more prestigious than my old Miss degree. Sorry, guys. Well, old Mrs. Collars are red, the Harvard of the South, right, or something like that, I'm told. Yeah, yeah the, the uh, guy that wanted to cancel the football team on Twitter the other day, he sure thought we were Harvard of the South. There's a, wait, what? Oh, you didn't see the the, uh, the professor on, on, old Miss's professor on Twitter saying that old Miss should just cancel football? Um, I did not, but that, that seems like a very informed opinion. Yep, said I did Ole Miss just cut it out. Again, this is why the internet bothers me, because any asshole's opinion can be spouted out there and people like give it credence. Like why would no one just why would everyone just not ignore that? Like who gives a shit if well, that guy well, is just saying fair, football? His, he doesn't know anything. To be fair, you can't ignore it if you're making fun of him. Yeah, I guess that's fine. that's fair. Just I I can't I'm not even gonna dive into the stupidity of that, but <laughs> Um, did the world secretly end in 2012? I don't really know what this means, and then we got some context to it. Um, I, I didn't read it. I, there's I'm a group of people that think uh, the world ended in 2012, I, th- I think the Mayan calendar type of deal, and that we've been yeah, living yeah, in some yeah. kind of space-time continuum since. Um, I haven't noticed any difference in the way I've gone about my life. Uh, I haven't seen any knock-on-wood health issues arise. Like I, I, I feel fine, so I'm going to go no. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna lean towards no too. Um, I'm open for for like if you have any evidence to suggest, be like actually this this is all fake. We're in like this this simulation. Like I, I feel free to point it out, but the simulation's pretty sweet too. I mean, like they still have beer and football and sports and stuff. So like that seems like a pretty good place to live. I don't know. I don't care. Um. <laughs> Jim Galloway, would the world be better without Twitter? An emphatic yes. Um, <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Yeah, it just it it blow it all up, please God. It'd be better for the mental health of this country. I see you. Uh, I see you got Instagram back. 
Um, I did get Instagram back. That was partly prompted by outside forces, but I do uh, <laughs> I do have Instagram back. But I'm already not liking it. I kind of want to go off the grid there again. If I see you, uh, you, you got you got in trouble because you didn't like some pictures, didn't you? It's kind of, sort of, kind of, but it was yeah, some something on the lines of that. And then you know, if I have one more person try to you know sell me essential oils or Arbon, I'm going right back off of it again. Um, what about it works? Have you got some? It works. No, I, I, my, my feed is mostly Arbonne or, you know, how some trip to Europe changed a person's life or some catchy caption about how it was the greatest night ever out on the town with friends. Uh, you know, your typical stuff. Um, let's see. Name your top five most suboptimal movies. Like, worst movies, I guess? You're going to have to take this one. I am not a movie person. I, I like most movies. Um... I'm not a huge movie guy either. I guess I can name some that sucked. Um, See, I couldn't. I don't remember the ones that suck. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they suck, I quit paying attention. Um, I don't leave this guy empty-handed. Um, well, just name like two bad movies. I watched a movie called. Oh, what was that called? It was about bank robbers, and it's this guy who, uh, oh, it's called Baby Driver. And this guy, basically, who's like this mute dude, all he does is listen to music, and he drives getaway cars for bank robbers. Don't watch it. It sucks. Um, so if you see that in the summary, just click. Yeah, do not do not watch that. It starts out kind of good and weird. It's got Kevin Spacey in it, who is problematic now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, don't watch that. Baby Driver's bad. Um, I'm trying to think of something real controversial to get the people going, piss someone off this morning, but I can't really... like. Um, I don't know. I don't like the Spider-Man movies, but I see... My thing on that is, is like I don't, I'm not big into like the superhero movies, but it's not like they're bad movies. Like I see why people like them. It's just not my cup of tea. So, like... <laughs> That doesn't really. Oh count. yeah, I feel that. I don't know. We're gonna have to come back to that. I probably should have done my homework better on that. Uh, but I gave you one that sucked, and I've seen it recently. Um, from uh, this is from Hey Dad from Joel Coleman. Favorite red you covered while up there? Um, I guess it's got to be Amir Garrett now, given his recent actions. <laughs> uh, I like Votto. Uh, Votto was fine. Like Votto was fine. We didn't really talk to him a ton. <laughs> Um, honestly, the, the, one of the perks of having a younger clubhouse than a team that was not very good is you really didn't have very many or really any at all jerks. Um, Jared Hughes is like the nicest guy in professional baseball. He was really great. He got um, suspended. He did. First ejection of his career. Um, I wonder what he did. I didn't see him. So he came in right before Garrett and hit a guy on the hip, which I don't believe I could be wrong about that, but like... Knowing everything I know about the guy, I couldn't imagine that was intentional. Maybe he was just sticking up for his guy. He's never been ejected in his entire career, uh, but he got a three-game suspension for hitting a guy. He's basically just kind of roped into all of it, um, which was very shocking to me. I mean, not shocking. Like, he's a baseball player, and you got to do what you got to do. But, like, it's, that's not, like, kind of his M.O. most of the time. I don't know. Right. Most of those guys were fine. There's a guy named Sal Romano who was really nice. He's hadn't been much up in the bigs this year, but uh, I don't know. Billy Hamilton was cool. Um, yeah, 
he's no longer there, obviously. Yeah, Corey, I had Corey Dickerson on the Pirates. It was a nice guy, Mississippi dude. I don't know. Those were a couple. Nice dudes. Um, Jared Robinson says, most interested to see what SEC football team besides Ole Miss. Well, you didn't have to add the qualifier there because I promise Ole Miss is not the SEC team I'm most excited to see. Um, I'm interested in Auburn because if Bo Nix or Joey Gatewood is competent, they could be pretty good, but if they're not, they're going to suck. And that's kind of intriguing to me because the pieces around them, I think they could be a really good team if Nix or Gatewood, and it's probably going to end up being Nix, I think. If they're good and he's a good fit, they could be really good. If not, Gus is probably putting his house up for sale. Exactly. I mean, they don't have time to get acclimated is the problem. Yeah, but they could survive. Uh, they could survive losing that first game to Oregon. Yeah, I mean, they could survive it. But boy, you're gonna have a bunch of pissed off fans. Um. Yeah. Sh- yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely true. But I mean, as a as a coach, particularly, I mean, they're de- they're used to dealing pressure and stuff like that. Like, uh, like it's interesting to me always watching every year. You have some team that's supposed to be really good, or probably still ends up being really good, drops a game in early September, and particularly if the coach has any pressure on it, like people, you start to hear talk about his job and stuff. I don't think coaches necessarily pay attention to stuff like that, particularly guys that have been around the block once or twice, is because they know a loss in September is not going to kill your season. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, Gus is the guy. I mean, he's been fired six times um, and, and somehow survived every one. So Gus isn't going to be the guy that freaks out at that because I don't think Gus freaks out at anything. Right. And I know some of that's cliche and obvious and it comes with the, like, just kind of comes with being a coach. But, like, if they lose to Oregon, I don't think Gus is going to be looking over his shoulder. He knows that they probably can't really slip up the rest of the way, maybe except for maybe one more time, two more times. But, like, that's a really, really good Oregon team, a really, really veteran Oregon team. Like, you lose that game, you're still okay. Yeah, sure. So uh, Auburn's my answer to that. Um, I'm actually – I don't really know why. Um, I'm fascinated by Tennessee because there's such a – like. Most of Saban's disciples of head coaches has not been very good. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, Muschamp's been okay. I think Muschamp's a lot better than he gets credit for. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's certainly fair. I mean, it, can, I'll say my piece real quick. Jim McElwain got a raw deal at Florida. I mean, he won two SEE titles and, and was good at Colorado State and got ran out after a bad year. But other than those two, yeah, I, I certainly agree. Not bad, but not great. But my point being is not that Pruitt was Kirby Smart level, but in terms of guys that have left to become head coaches, he was pretty highly touted. Smart's been great, though, right? No, yeah, Kirby's the exception, not the – yeah, no, no, Kirby, 100%. But I I guess what I'm saying is, like, I'm not saying he's Kirby smart level in terms of how, like, he was hyped up, but Pruitt was a pretty highly regarded Saban assistant that took a head coaching job. So I'm interested in Tennessee in year two is just, like, can this guy coach? Yeah, no, I I think that's certainly fair. Um, So we'll see. Um, I think think Pruitt's got a chance to be a good football coach. Um, If if he gets his priorities straight and is able to run a good program, I think he intellectually has got the capability to be a good football coach, but we'll see. I, you know, this is the year for them. They don't you don't get much time now in, in the SEC uh, when you're getting paid four million dollars a year. It's, it's now or never. If you have a bad year this year, they're liable to run you off up there in Knoxville. They need to make a bowl. Yes. Um, like them going seven and five would be a really big step forward for them, and they'd have a lot of momentum going into year three. I feel like. Yeah. 
no, I think that's certainly fair. Um, okay, here we go. Um, if you had to listen to one song to get yourself ready to watch an Ole Miss game, what would you choose? Oh, dear God. Uh, Oof. I'm not a, I, it, it's bad. I'm not a music or movie person, so I have trouble answering these questions. Well, I mean, I have to watch the game regardless or I don't get a paycheck, but we didn't start the fire? I, I feel like you could what, not watch the game and get paid. You just can't tell them that. It depends on which game. I could cover the Alabama game from a closet. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, the, uh, the Alabama game, I feel like you, as long as you knew the final score and got a box score, you could, you could get something together. Um. Yeah, so that, I guess we didn't start the fire. <laughs> um, what do you think of Yasiel Puig? I actually like Puig. I think he. Uh, <laughs> I think he was very immature as a Dodger. Um, I think he is to some degree, but I think he's grown up a little bit because it went from him being a very polarizing clubhouse guy in Los Angeles to. Basically, all of those dudes in Cincinnati swore by him. And he kind of became a clubhouse and a fan favorite. And I think that's him turning from child. Like, he still has his antics and his extracurricular stuff and all the stuff that comes with being Yasiel Puig. But I think he's harnessed that and grown up a little bit. Because the LA Times wrote a really long story on him back in April or May. I can't really remember. Um, Just about how Puig never... Like, he just kind of showed up. With the Dodgers, he kind of assaulted the minor leagues. He wasn't there very long to kind of adjust to the norms of living and playing baseball in America and the norms and the expectations that come with playing in the big leagues and being a professional. And so, you know, he did, he would he would not adhere to schedules like he thought he would do whatever he wanted. He wouldn't listen to outfield alignment cards. He would often tear them up and things like that. But he was a really nice guy. Most of his teammates liked him in that sense but rubbed in the wrong way. I think he's kind of refined some of that type of stuff. And so I actually kind of like him. I think he means well for the most part. I think he's grown up in the last 18 months. I think the Dodgers trading him was a bit of a wake-up call. He would never admit that or show it, though. No, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, so, I don't know. It's, I don't think Puig will ever get over his bad rap at the beginning. Um, but I do think he's, he's a better guy than maybe he gets credit for. I, I didn't appreciate Like, the Dodgers gave out NLCS. Uh, watches or whatever they give out rings. I'm not sure. Um, when the Reds were in town and he just kind of skips it. Like, I mean, he still does some stuff. The, the, the brawl the other day wasn't a good look because he wasn't actually trying to fight anybody. He was just trying to get held back. Um, I don't know. I, Puig is... I, I, have, I have a hard time saying that, you know, he's, he's this great, mature player. I really do think baseball needs him to be good, and unfortunately, kind of for him, he's not been that good recently. Yeah, I'm not saying he's mature, but I think he's matured. I think there's a difference. Yeah, I I guess that's fair, because, I mean, there wasn't much way to go. Yeah, that's very true. I don't know. I like, uh, to your point, baseball needs characters like that. They need Puig to be good. They need Puig to kind of have a decent career, which he's had to this point. He's been pretty productive for the Reds. Hasn't had a great year, but hasn't been a bad year by any stretch. Um, and I don't know. I thought one of his answers yesterday talk is obviously very cheap, but they were asking about Terry Francona and what he thinks about being the Indians. And he was just talking about Terry's reputation as a coach and how much he thinks he can learn as a hitter and grow as a person um, over the next three to four months. And I feel like if Yasiel Puig was asked that about Dave Roberts two years ago in L.A., he's probably not given the same answer. No, I think that's certainly fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair for sure. 
Why do we football? To pay the bills. Um, I don't know, because this country is hooked on football like it is a drug. Um, that is and it's never in that epidemic. I don't feel like it's going away anytime soon. That was was so funny to me. It's like the whole football is dying narrative. It's like the appetite for the football in this country never went down. It just kind of to people that don't necessarily like or watch football in general. And maybe this is the case of some people that really still liked football. The whole concussion CTE thing and kind of learning about some of the dangers of the early days of football and dangers that are still somewhat relevant today. But measures have been taken to kind of protect guys better i think that kind of disgusted some people maybe shocked them but like the appetite for football never went down in this country just look at the tv ratings no absolutely i completely agree with that i mean it's uh yeah <laughs> football i do think there's some things that have to get addressed i mean you you can't have some of these hits that continue to hit happen but i do think that's going downward um so i think football's done a good job about being proactive about that my thing is, is you're not going to be able to tell for 25 years. Like, guys keep coming out, and yes, they have CTE and these very serious brain injuries. That's no joking matter, and it's awful because it affects guys' lives and oftentimes yeah. shorten their lives. But I'm just saying with the – like, it's interesting to me with the precautions that have been taken recently and the changes they've made. I don't think you're going to see the results of those for until, like, 20, 25 years from now when these current guys are done. Yeah, no, I think that's certainly fair. And I don't want to call it a case study because that's, you know, disingenuous to the people involved, but – uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how what their bodies look like, you know, in twenty to twenty five years. Is Ronald Acuna going to surpass Mike Trout as the greatest baseball player once Trout exits his prime? I have an interesting opinion on this, but I'll let you go first. Mine is no, and I'm not just dismissing it because of the sound. Like obviously, this is one of those questions on the surface that kind of sounds preposterous, but not really. I'm just not sure Trout's going to exit his prime while Acuna is on the top of his. I mean, what they're five six years apart. Yeah. All right, here's going to be the thing. Um, statistically, no, Ronald Acuna won't pass Mike Trout. But will Ronald Acuna be a bigger household name than Mike Trout? Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to happen. Um, and I don't really think that's, that's debatable. Like, they're going to market the heck out of Ronald Acuna, and they're going to get to play off of that a lot more than they got out of Mike Trout. Um, and I think that's good for baseball. So do I think... Statistically, he becomes better than, than Mike Trout. No. Do I think he's a better household name than Mike Trout here in five years? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Who's the next Ole Miss football player to have their jersey retired? So this is probably a really stupid question, but do they still do that? Like, when's the, who's the last guy to have their jersey retired? Is that like a, like, is that like a thing? E- Eli, I guess. Eli's number's retired? I think. I'm not sure. Uh, we, we should do some digging on this. Um, I think. Oh, Eli's your Eli's your answer for next one. No, I think Eli's already is. No, no, I'm an idiot. He, obviously, people wear ten. Yeah, that's uh, what jer- I'm saying. Yeah, jersey retirement means that uh, you can't wear that number. I did put those together. Wow, I sound stupid this morning. Jacques yeah, Jones was- and John Rice Plumley are wearing ten this year. Yeah, so I guess. I mean, if Eli's is, when do you retire jerseys after they leave the NFL? Uh, I don't know. I guess I could do some digging people, on that. People still wear 18, so I don't think they do this. Do they wear 18? Well, I thought there's been 18, right? I don't think so. There's no, no, I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that one's done. Okay. Well, I, I sound really stupid as so I'm Googling it. Let's see. Yeah, 
I, I no, 18's was, definitely retired. I've okay. gone all the way back to 14. Okay. Uh, but, hell, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know this was really a thing either. I've got, I've got a list here. I'm trying to scroll on that. Yeah, 18 is retired. It's the only one. So who's the next one? I guess 10? Eli, I guess, yeah, 10. 49, Patrick Willis? Yeah, P. Willie. Um, There's not really anyone yeah. on the radar after that. No. I, I think, I wonder one day if they ever retire Chucky Mullins' jersey and, and, and don't do the, you know, with the senior wears and they ever just retire the jersey. I think with something like that, though, they enjoy the tradition of that. So, sure. like, I don't know. Taking but you know, that, a few years they they just wore a patch and didn't wear thirty eight. Right. Um. So those are probably my two guesses. I don't know. I would actually file for a motion to when they retired ten, make it be Eli and Chad Kelly. Eli and Chad. Yeah. Um. But that's recency bias because I thought Chad Kelly was really good, one of the best college players I've ever seen. Um. Best play by play guy in the SEC, not named David Kellum. It was it was Steve or it was uh, Bramlett at, at Auburn for me before obviously the tragedy. Um, I'm Eli not, Gold's really good. Yeah, Eli Gold is really good. I'm not really I'm not well versed in this. Like I I could I'm probably tell you four play by play guys. Yeah, in the Jim SEC, Ellis State is very good. What or was before he retired? Jim Ellis at State. Yeah, obviously Jack Crystal was very good too. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed both. I enjoyed listening to both of their broadcasts. Um, Jack Crystal's voice, like, I, I don't mean to sound morbid, but like, obviously he, he's passed now. But like, listening to it now is like almost like it, like it always kind of captured you in the moment. But like, it even even more so now. I was watching an SEC Network thing on him, and just like his, I, I guess I didn't really fully appreciate it while he was still around. I was also fairly young when Jack Crystal was around, and I didn't listen to his ton of state radio broadcasts, but I don't feel like people fully appreciated it while he was still there. Do you like listening to the radio on game? Like, obviously, watching on TV is, is supersedes it for everybody. But yesterday, I mean, they didn't put some recent into it. Yesterday, uh, I was just bored, and the Athletics and the Brewers were playing, and I could watch the game. I could just go to the MLB app on my TV, hit it, watch it. For some reason, I just listen to the radio. For some reason, I like listening to baseball on the radio a ton. Probably baseball more than football and basketball because it's easier to follow. Um, I don't love it. I don't mind it, I guess, but I'm taking TV any day of the week, and I'm too lazy to set up where, like, you know, some guys put, like, the earpiece headsets where they're listening to it and they're, like, have it on their headphones but watching the game, too. Uh, Yeah. I I do that with with uh, like Ole Miss baseball, like I'll go to tune in and just like think David Kellum and uh, and Keith Carter up to the, especially when they're on the road, uh, think them up to the TV because you know obviously when you're watching on TV it's way behind unless it's on you know live TV. Right. Um, you're forced to watch one Mississippi high school football team play each Ooh. of their games this entire season. What school do you choose? I am very ignorant on Mississippi high school football. I I'm, enjoyed I'm, it when I uh, covered it. Like I, I really did it. it, it I enjoyed covering high school football um, in the couple years I did it. It's it's fun. Um, I don't know. I always liked Oxford High. Like I, like it was interesting watching most of their games. They're Madison Central seems year. interesting. Um, yeah, they're going to be good. Who too. is going to be good this year? Like who's going to be good? And who like who's like the who's this who's like this who's going to win six A? I guess is probably the best question to ask. That's, I need to do some more digging before I answer that. I would think Madison Central with uh, Jimmy Holiday is going to be very good. They were very good last year. Uh, I think Oxford's got a chance to be really good. 
Um, I mean, you're always going to have – Pearl's always going to be up there as, as long as they have their coach. Uh, Brandon, I think, will be good again. Um, I don't know. I think, I think the state championship comes out of those four. Um, West Point will win 5A because that's what they do. Um, I'm not sure about 4A. Knoxville will win 3A. I think Charleston probably went 2A, and I'm not sure about 1A. So there's your uh, Mississippi High School football breakdown. Honestly, it might be worth it to get to somebody on here one yeah, of these days before it starts. Um, yeah, we can do that. When's high school football start? Uh, practice starts Monday. I think the first game is like Jamborees are two weeks from today. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, I know they are actually. Yeah, they're two weeks from today. Biggest a hole you've ever covered? Give me a player. Gonna, in, in look, look, I, look, let me let me answer first. Ron hasn't answered that he's not going to say. Uh, so just just go ahead with a different answer. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I could go a number of different ways with this. I will. Uh, they all lead back to one person that you can't say. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. I will say this. I haven't really covered any players, and that's right. mostly because I'm covering – I haven't. obviously, I spent three months doing Major League Baseball, very for, short, finite amount of time. I don't really have much experience in professional sports outside of that. Um, occasionally, I mean, other than some occasional random assignments. Uh, like, I got to follow Dansby Swanson around for a day when he was in AA with the Embraves and some other random stuff. I haven't covered really any asshole players. Like, I, I've – most of the guys have been very pleasant. I mean, there have been guys who really don't enjoy talking to media and guys who do, and you can't really fault them for that. Different strokes for different folks. I get it's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. I really haven't covered any. I've got a couple um, in terms of coaches, but I think I'm going to keep my mouth shut on both of those. Uh, get back to me in like five years. If we're still doing this podcast in like five years. Mailbag Friday in July of 2024. Um, go ahead and re-ask me that question. Yeah, I have a. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but uh, I took a job last year, and I moved down there, and I was covering you know a bunch of high schools in the area, and so when I get down there at like April, uh, I get told, hey, we're putting together an all district basketball team. You're not here, so we're just gonna put it together. And I was like, okay, cool. They're like, what we need you to do is call and you know write stories about this, like you know the people that were selected. And I said, all right, cool. So I start, like, getting all the coaches' numbers that were selected as, like, coach of the year in this area. And I call the coach and, and get the story and write it, and it goes out in the paper. And, well, another coach that didn't get selected, he was so mad that he didn't get selected, he uh, he wrote a letter to the paper saying I should be fired. Okay. Um, <laughs> so so that, that guy's my guy. So Matt Harvey, when he got traded to the Reds, had a reputation as being a bit of an a-hole. But he was fine. I think this probably speaks to why you have to have more time around guys and be around them longer. But he was fine in the interactions that 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 we had with him. And, and I say we, just the media contingent while I was up there. And like he, But, again, that's very limited. So I haven't really had many problems with players. A couple coaches that I'm not going to get into um, – and really, not. I'm not even talking about Ole Miss for the most part. It's uh, just different <laughs> stuff. Um, Butterfinger blast. Add butter. I'm not. I don't know what that means. Um, Wait, you you've never had a Butterfinger blast? No, I really enjoy Butterfinger blast. But he 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 outlines this extensive Butterfinger blast order, and then just says or nah. <laughs> I um, think he's asking, is that your Sonic dessert order? 
I do like that. That actually is what I get more so than anything. Sometimes I uh, get Reese's, but I get Butterfinger. Like, we did that last night. I was like, Jesus, that sounds good. Do y'all think a, the kid from Meridian who's the subject of the podcast Culpable committed suicide? I have not watched this. You can have at it. Uh, watch this. No. Listen, I don't know how you watch a can podcast. I who, can I ask who asked this? Colby Joseph Wallace. Okay. Uh, no, I do not think he committed suicide. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail because I could I could talk for like an hour. Um, there's too many inconsistencies in stories. Um, no, I, I I don't think there's. Look, you could if he committed suicide. Am I shocked? No, um, but I I do think he was murdered. Okay. What do y'all will y'all discuss stealing first base and will it make it to the college game? I love this idea. I think it's awesome. Okay, so you're I'm not to- sure it ever makes it to the college game go because to me colleges with rule changes, college baseball in particular are often now granted they were get should get some credit for what they've done with replay, but seem more rigid. So I say maybe, but it'll be a long time. This is just basically any ball in the dirt you can take off? Yeah, you can still first base. They've implemented this in the minor leagues. I love this idea. It, it doesn't seem like you could do it that, that often, though. But if you're looking for it, think about if you're in the batter's box and you've got a guy with a decent amount of speed and a guy you know, dumps a breaking ball in the dirt and it goes off a leg pad over to the left or to the right where the catcher's got to run a couple feet, you could make that a close play because then he's got to turn and make a good throw. Sure. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that would make it more exciting. Like, can you imagine? It'd be so jarring to see for the first couple of times. Can you imagine, like, first batter of a game, 1 0 count, the dude throws one in the dirt, and the guy just hightails it for first base? <laughs> I think that's honestly be. I think that's a. I really do. I think that's a cool rule. I think that could be awesome. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I don't think it makes it to the college game, though. Thoughts on pops after shuckers? I don't know what that means. Like the bar? Um. <laughs> uh... Not sure. Not sure where we're going with this one. I I don't know. I don't. I, I, Shuckers is a bar in Jackson. I don't know what Pops is. I'm not sure if I want to know. Um, will you be interested in opening a Honda Civic only dealership in California? What is this guy? I, I is that an inside joke? I don't understand. Uh, I'm not sure. I am. I can't. I can't say for certain. Uh so when I, my brief time in California, there were a lot of luxury car dealerships. Not a, a, Honda, a lot of Honda Civics rolling around that place. So I'm going to say no. Uh, top three karaoke songs. I don't really sing karaoke. Uh, David Brandt. Um, David Brandt. Uh, Portnoy. And uh, and Brooks Cubina, who covers LSU football for The Advocate, tried to make me at Gabriel's at SEC Media Days. And luckily, the uh, karaoke guy shut things down like two people before me. So I got out of that. I don't sing karaoke. I suck at it. Um... So I don't really have an answer for this. Do you? I do not. I'm I'm not a karaoke person. Uh, I can't I can't tell a lot. Um, you could probably go Brick House. That's played at every single wedding ever. Um, Strawberry Wine seems to be very popular. I don't even know if that's the name of the song. Um, I there you go. I gave you two, and I don't sing, so you're welcome. Um, is Hugh Freeze the coach at Liberty when when they come to Oxford in 2021? I say yes. I say no. I think he's gone. Um. I, I say no. I, I don't think he will be the head coach when they come to Oxford in 2021. Okay. Um, I, That's just we'll right in that sweet spot to where if he's actually selective about a job, I guess it's possible. But, man, two years for him at Liberty, someone's scooping him up, I feel like. But what if he doesn't win? He, I mean, signed, a, he signed a consensus four-star to go play at Liberty. Guy's going to win. 
Okay, we'll see. Um, that's two years, so he'd have to make it two years without getting scooped up. We'll see. Yeah, all he needs is an EMCC quarterback to go up there. Um, that's true. Those win you title. Is football back? Hell yeah, it is. Preseason uh, Hall of Fame game was last night. It's good stuff. You watch? Yeah, I did. I watched almost every snap uh, just because I was writing something. Did, I had it on in the background. What? Did you take a side? No, I did not. <laughs> I can't do preseason football like that, man. That's just, you don't know what's going to happen. But seeing full collision, seeing guys hit each other with vengeance again was really awesome. If uh, if someone did take a side and that side was not the, the, Fal- or the uh, Broncos, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, because they scored with like a minute and a half left on like a tipped up ball. Yeah, on 4th and 14 because the coach is ready to go home. Who is Collins' candidate for chancellor? Uh, Robert Robbins Okay, Arizona. Um, the, the chancellor, Robert Morris, would be my number two. Um, all right, we're rapid-firing here because I'm trying to get through all these before we got to get out of here. Um, how much relief will the defense get just by clock management on the offense? I don't know. I think that's a very good question, though, and yeah, I think I you'll too. find out pretty quickly in the first couple of games. My answer right now would be at least some. There's no possible way. I say no possible way. Could be wrong about that. The way... Rich Rod presumably wants to run the ball, and the way he's run his offenses in the past, yes, they go fast, but there's just no possible way that the time of possession discrepancy is as large as it was for Phil Longo and the way that offense was constructed with basically go deep um, and have one of those freak receivers make a play. I just think they have to have more help than they have. I just don't think it's any possible. I don't think it's possible to get less help is basically what I'm saying. How much more? I think you'll find out in the first two games, and I think yeah. that's a key component to how good this defense is because we mentioned they don't have a ton of depth, um, so that's going to be key in keeping those guys fresh. Yeah, I, I, look, it can't be worse. Um, I know I, I know it's hard to sometimes say it can't be worse, but it, it can't be worse. Like I mean, Rich Rod is going to make sure they run the football at some point and not go three and out when – 48 seconds. So, yes, I, I do think there's absolutely going to be a good bit of help this year from the offense in relation to the defense. How many trees are in the world? Um, um, I don't know. A couple be- less after the couple you burned to answer the, to come up with this question? I don't really know. It is real. <laughs> aggressive. I mean, what kind of question is that? That's aggressive, real man. Oh, I'm not Won't going after Google- the guy. Why don't you Google it and get the man an answer? Okay, let's see. There are three trillion trees. Uh, I said seven billion. That was closer than you. Three trillion. Subtract a couple because I think that guy took a couple out last night. Um, uh, other than Hadim C, who will be which newcomer will make the biggest impact this season? Austin Crowley. Sam Me Hunter, possibly. He's got to get in and get to work, though. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Probably. Crowley. That's Crowley's probably a good answer. Now, serious question: What's Wait, where was your non-serious question, Chief? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Now, what's the word on Cam White that committed in 2018 out of Madison Central? He's not committing to Ole Miss again. I do know that. I don't know much about recruiting. Um, I don't think he winds up back at Ole Miss. This, I may be thinking of a wrong Cam White, though. Isn't there two Cam Whites? Well, they had a kid from Clinton for a while. Okay. It's, I may be, There's a kid that committed to Ole Miss that went Juco that is not going back to Ole Miss, and for some reason I think it's him. But there's also one of those that is committed to Ole Miss. So no, this is one you're talking about, Cam White. He's at Northwest. Okay, is he currently committed to Ole Miss? Uh, do not believe so, at least not yet. There, there, the reason I ask, there's two kids uh, that committed to Ole Miss in the 18 class, I believe, and they both went JUCO. One of them is going to 
and this sounds so bad, one of them is going to re-sign with Ole Miss, and one of them is not going to re-sign with Ole Miss. And I think the one that's not going to re-sign is Cam White. Go-to order at Chick-fil-A. Uh, I like the minis for breakfast and then an eight-count meal with the Dr. Pepper. Twelve if I'm feeling really frisky. Yeah, uh, chicken, egg, and cheese biscuit for breakfast. And just I, I'm just a regular chicken sandwich guy. Um, NFL teams that pop out to you, maybe some way too early playoff predictions. Who do you think might break out? Um, uh, my, my newly adopted Falcons. Okay, the Browns don't really count as a sexy pick anymore no. because the media's beat that headline into the dust. Um, 49ers. The 49ers could be good. That's a very tough division. Um, I think that, I mean, this isn't necessarily like an under the radar pick. The Colts have the potential to wreck the NFC South. Yep. Particularly if Watson one. doesn't stay healthy and Houston's disappointment, the Colts could kick ass and take names. No, look, this division is really, really tough. I think Denver's got a shot with Flacco. They could be okay. That that just division with the way the LA Chargers are built right now, and they're only built that way for a couple more years and however long Rivers has. Between that and Mahomes, that's going to be tough. Also, good luck yep. to the Raiders. That's going to be a train wreck. Um, I think the Panthers have a chance to be pretty good this year, and I think the Steelers will actually win the AFC North. None of those are really going out on a limb there. Um, NFC South, I'm picking the Saints. AFC South, I'm picking the Colts. Um, NFC North. Bears? Uh, Bears. Ba- okay, so I'll give you one. Kirk Cousins, because at some point he's got to be able to be somewhat worth that contract. They've got a really good roster around him. Yeah, he was bad last year, but give it a second year in that system, and I'll be interested to see what it looks like. Maybe he's just Kirk Cousins, and maybe this is as good as it gets, but I just think he's better than what we saw last year. Sure. I don't think that's unfair at all. Um, I'm trying to think. NFC West? Rams. Yeah, Rams. Uh, Seahawks could be kind of frisky. Um, the Jets could potentially be a, a good bit better. It's not going to matter in that division, but they could be pretty good. I like Darnold. And I like Adam Gase as an offensive coach. Sure. Um, so there's a couple. Uh, MOB trade deadline reactions. We went over a little bit that on uh, on Wednesday. Um I thought the Dodgers and the Yankees not really making a big move was rather shocking, and I think the Astros really tipped the scales in their favor. The uh, the Dodgers were scared. I mean, you you've cashed out for two rentals the past two years, and it didn't work out. So you can't keep giving up prospects and it not working out. So um, you can't really blame them. I mean, they want to get rid of Lux, and, and I don't really blame them there. Uh, their best pitching prospect is starting night. So I don't really blame the Dodgers, but. That bullpen's going to be an issue in October. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I guess I was really surprised the Yankees kind of went complacent too. Yeah, it's really, really two of the most frontline starters that you could have gotten. Not, the, the two of the most frontline starters on the market went to the Reds and the Mets. I found that very odd. Well, and the Astros with Grinky. Yeah, no, absolutely, but I, I guess. I found that interesting in the sense sure. that the first yeah. two off the board were the Reds and the Mets, and was did were people thinking Grinky was one hundred percent going to be on the market? I feel no, like no, that was it, a little it, off the radar. It took a it took a special offer. Um, it took a special special offer from Houston. They got like their number three, four, and five prospect. I think we're going to see Astros Dodgers World Series now. I yeah, was yeah. on the Yankees. Uh, you said the Astros a couple weeks ago, but I think the I think it's definitely the Astros now. Yeah, I, th- I think it's certainly the Astros. Um, if it's I a repeat of the 2017 World Series, bring it on, man. I'm here for every bit of that. Yeah, I think they're the favorite, too. I think Houston is. Yeah, I think they're better than the Dodgers, too, but the Dodgers are really, really good. So I think that's uh, 
everyone else, like, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see where the Twins fit in because they bash. But I don't think their pitching is probably good enough to make it through a couple playoff series. But they'll be they'll be kind of an interesting out. You know what kind of amazes me is the Dodgers always get accused of, oh, they've got this payroll. Man, you look at the dudes they're playing. Or, like, these guys are not getting paid a ton. Like, Bellinger's going on a rookie They're deal. all kids. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of their lot. Tyler White was their first baseman last night. Uh, Negron was their shortstop. Muncy was their second baseman. Will Smith was their catcher. Uh, Turner played third. Turner gets paid a good bit. Um Pollock was in center. He gets paid a good pick. And, and then Jock was in left. I mean, like, these dudes aren't – they're not just maxing out payroll in L.A. right now. They, these kids can just play. No, and Muncie wasn't necessarily part of the plan. He kind of came out of nowhere last year, right. if I'm not mistaking. And Turner has been a cornerstone of that organization for a while, but he came in there as a journeyman guy. Like, that wasn't some guy that was like, yeah, we're going to give this guy $200 million when his time comes. And, and the guy they're paying $33 million is their third-best pitcher. And he's really good right now. Don't get me wrong, but he's their third-best pitcher. Yep. Um, last couple, you and Colin Brister predict Ole Miss's record in football. The loser buys the winner a stake. How do you determine loser and winner, though? Like, what if well, Ole Miss is worse than we both see, think? I'm going to say six and six. You're going to say five and seven. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. But, like, I don't think we should do it. Like, there's our record. I don't know about the betting thing, and I'm not, like, shying away from it. But, like, if Ole Miss goes six and six, it wouldn't necessarily stun me. I just don't think they get to that. So we will we will uh we, i tell you what we will find a bet to have during the season that runs the course of the season uh it's probably just not going to be that one our things on the record are too similar for it to be a competitive yeah, bet yeah exactly um i guess if they go 2 and 10 we'll both i don't know we'll buy like some random we'll, dude a stake we'll um, dog food um yeah uh have you broken 90 this summer on the links yes but barely um i think that's is that good like I, as a golf ignorant person is 90 Good for very, very, group. very, very average. Um, okay. I think, let's see, I was looking through my text messages. I think that's all the, uh, do you have any more questions? I think that's all I had. No, no, I think you, well, let me, let me look. Um, I got yelled at last time by somebody uh, because I didn't answer that question. So let me, uh, let me scroll through here. <laughs> uh was there actually any actual news from media days? We went over that. Uh, no, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I think so, too. So we'll get out of here. I know you got to run here in a second. Um, that's about all I've got. Fall camp is here. We'll have tons of coverage at supertalk.fm. I put up a notebook last night with some video. I'll have a story out today again. Uh, maybe one more this weekend and kind of back into next week. But, like, we're we're back. Like, this is football. This is kind of kind of what we've been building towards towards the summer so we're back at it so uh look for coverage at supertalk.fm we'll be back on monday i think on next week is kind of when we'll start getting into looking at some real college football and some opponents and maybe having some different beat writers and stuff on to discuss the season and different things like that so we're uh we're kind of off and running they uh i guess the proverbial whatever the, what do they call that gun that they fire off that doesn't have any bullets uh for oh, the track I- thing Please don't ask me about guns. I'm so gun stupid. It's not funny. Yeah, I don't either. Whatever the ones that shoot blanks that basically starts the race, like consider that have been fired off. Um, so, yeah. So We're sprinting now. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, we appreciate you rating us. Uh, give us five stars. You can say whatever you want on there. You call me an asshole. I don't really care. I just need the five stars. Um, <laughs> but we appreciate you listening. Stick with us. I have think it's have you be- gone and rated our self-rip? Uh, no, I don't need to do it. I guess I'm sit on the throne of hypocritical lies because I have not done that. Um so I should probably do that. Then you could too. Um, uh, I have. 
Okay, so I need to go rate myself. Maybe I'll give myself a one star. You know, Get better, kid. Yeah, I need to humble myself because rent's due every day and twice on Sunday. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. We'll get out of here, but we'll be back at it on Monday. It'll be football-heavy shows over the next couple weeks as we kind of head into the football season. But unless you got anything else, I'm going to head to the football field. Sounds good. All right, for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Ribby. The People's Podcast will be back at it on Monday. Thanks for listening. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.